welcome to Careers in Your Ears, the careers podcast for PhDs and research staff at King's College London. This is a takeover series where PhDs and research staff from King's College London will be interviewing researchers in careers in AI, sustainability and social justice. I am Aline da Silva Cerqueira, a marine biologist and PhD student at the Geography Department at King's College, researching seabird sounds and soundscapes at sea. I will be your host for this episode. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Maud Bohi, lecturer in Environment, Science and Society in the Department of Geography of King's College London. Hi, Maud, and good morning. Hi. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, it's my first podcast, podcast actually. Um, really exciting. Well, thank you for being here today. I said good morning, but I'm not sure what time this is going to be um, out. So uh, good day, everyone. So you are also my first person to interview for a podcast. So let's start by uh, asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself, your career journey so far and your area of research. Uh, yes, sure. Um, so to start with the basics, uh, I'm a French citizen, uh, grew up uh, in Montpellier in the south of France. Uh, and uh, I moved to the UK uh, in 2011 uh, to start my PhD studies uh, at the University of East Anglia uh, in Norwich, uh, in Norfolk. Um, that was actually my first time uh, in the UK, uh, and I decided to stay here. Um, my career research uh, looks at the politics of environmental knowledges. Uh, so on one on one hand, that means looking at whether and how environmental knowledges are or not used, uh, but also, on the other hand, looking at whose knowledge uh, is used and with what implications. Uh, so I've looked uh, at these questions uh, in different uh, settings uh, and context, uh, especially uh, on, in the field of global biodiversity governance, uh, looking at who can speak for nature that was my PhD uh, project where I looked at a specific uh, organization uh, that seeks to be the, yeah, an institution of expertise uh, on biodiversity and ecosystems. I will, I'm sure I will have some opportunity to explain a bit more later. Um, and I currently develop some work uh, on nature-based solution and green finance. So for example, uh, asking whether and how environmental knowledge is used uh, in the finance sector. Um, perhaps to give you a little bit of context uh, regarding uh, why uh, I decided to move and to pursue a career in research. Um, well, there are different things. Uh, initially, I wanted to be a journalist and write about uh, science and environmental issues, um, which is why uh, I studied uh, ecology and political sciences, both uh, for my undergrad and postgrad. Um, but at some point during my undergrad, uh, I took a course um, which was called Mapping Controversy, taught by uh, a sociologist of science called Bruno Latour, um, who told us about science being social and truth being something constructed, like lots of intriguing uh, claims. Uh, and for me, it was a little bit like taking the red, uh, the red pill, like in Matrix. I don't know if it's red or blue, uh, and needing to explore a bit more. 
So I became really interested in environmental controversies and in the ways in which different actors try to justify uh, the claims and what should be done about the right way forward. So that made me want to know much more. Um, I guess one thing that was tricky uh, is that at the time, pursuing a PhD in this field, uh, which is called science and technology studies in France was not easy uh, because the system is quite uh, rigid in terms of disciplines. Uh, and I knew that it was a bit more developed, uh, institutionalized in the UK. Um, and so I had the feeling that there would be uh, more opportunity to do something interdisciplinary uh, there. Um, I came across the work of someone, a professor called Mike Kuhn, um, who wrote about global kinds of knowledges uh, and criticizing uh, the ways in which uh, climate knowledge was produced. Uh, and it resonated a lot uh, with my thinking at the time. Uh, so I applied for a PhD under his direction. Um, and maybe something uh, to mention as well is like when I decided to do a PhD, I was also feeling ready because I had quite a few. I explored in a few different fields before doing internship and fellowship in diff with different organizations. That, that's really cool. It seems like you had um, a, a very interesting, but somehow quite linear journey. Uh, one thing lead, uh, leading to the other. Uh, so could you please tell us uh, a little bit about your current job and how you got there? Yes, uh, sure. Uh, so now I'm a lecturer uh, in the geography department uh, here at uh, King's College London. Um, so, of course, this entails uh, teaching uh, and research, uh, but beyond those categories, uh, it's extremely, the tasks are uh, extremely varied. Um, so, on the teaching side, for example, to unpack a little bit, um, I convene modules um, both for undergrad and postgrad uh, students um, and design content to prompt students to think about the roles and interactions of um, geographical knowledges uh, with society and policy. Uh, and to develop both critical thinking skill and practical skills, you know, to navigate the professional world, for example. Um, but all of this is not just about delivering teaching, uh, but also about designing modules, uh, thinking about the learning outcomes, uh, training or mentoring, um, teaching assistants, uh, who very often uh, help with the delivery of seminars, for example. Uh, it also entails a lot of marking, uh, teaching admin, answering uh, student queries, uh, lots of logistics, uh, these kind of things. Um, an important aspect as well uh, of my role is, uh, yeah, is administrative duty and collegiality. Uh, each of, yeah, each member of, sta of staff uh, has different uh, admin roles um, and things that we do, uh, yeah, basically to ensure that uh, there is a nice uh, functioning, uh, in this case of the geography department. Uh, for me, one of the things which uh, I really uh, like doing uh, is uh, convening uh, a research group, uh, which is called uh, Political Ecology, Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services. So it brings together political ecologists and ecologists, so people working with different disciplinary backgrounds, but equally interested in uh, the future of um, yeah, sustainable future and uh, how to live with non-human in the future uh, to address biodiversity loss, ecosystem degradation. Uh, so that's something which uh, I, I really like about my job. Um, 
there is also a lot of, uh, of course, interaction with students in the context of teaching, but also a lot of pastoral care. So, you know, uh, we have to, to identify uh, to, to make sure um, that students uh, are doing well and uh, support those who may be struggling um, for different reasons, uh, financially, mentally or health. Um, so that's uh, another uh, important aspect of the job. Um, how I got there was a bit of a long road. Uh, I finished my PhD in 2016, uh, moved to London, uh, starting, started uh, postdocs uh, on different topics uh, than the one I had uh, studied uh, in my PhD uh, because I wanted to do something a bit different. Uh, so I got to travel quite a bit during that time, um, which was really nice. And um, and then I felt I wanted to have more uh, interaction, social interaction. Uh, I actually found postdoc to be quite uh, isolating. Uh, at least that was my experience. And so I wanted to to yeah I I, I thought about teaching and I apply for teaching fellowship uh, and then lectureship. Um, so it was quite a long process, uh, but a few things helped. I had a very nice and supportive colleagues. Um, and one thing which was very useful for me and which I was a bit late in realizing uh, was how useful it is to have a mentor. Uh, and yeah, if anyone, uh, that's really something I would recommend to anyone who is trying to navigate <laughs> academia uh, and, and probably useful beyond academia as well. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's me in a, in a few, uh, few elements. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Uh, I think one of the 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 best things about um, a, a career journey is the process of um, self discovery along the way. You may start your undergrad degree thinking that you want to be something specifically, you want to do something specifically, but then along the way you get to know more your area, you see researchers that inspire you, uh, uh, works that inspire you, and then you may change, you adjust your, your career path, and uh, from what you just described, it seems like it's uh, what you've done. You had an open mind and you, you met some great people along the way and engaged with very interesting work leading you to here. And uh, your work uh, covers some very important research themes. I mean, they are very big and uh, um, critical globally because your research focuses on environmental governance for biodiversity, conservation and climate change the politics of nature-based solutions, green finance, creative methods for sustainability and transformative change. So these are very complex fields of research and I would say that they are intertwined. So to move from project proposals to actions with positive outcomes, it's fundamental to engage multi-level governments, the public and stakeholders, scientists and whole communities. So this is a very long question, I know. So <laughs> how do you communicate your research findings to and engage with such diverse audience? Yeah, that's a really great question. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I think I've been through different phases uh, in my research. Um, 
for example, during my PhD, uh, emergence of uh, an organization of expertise called um, the Intergovernmental Platform on Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services, IPBS. It's quite a mouthful, but it's a very interesting mm -hmm. uh, organization. Um, that's so on one hand this uh during the PhD time I used it as an opportunity to talk to multiple people uh, and also reflect on the type of research I wanted to do um when I was doing this research uh, I remember some of the people I interviewed were a bit worried that I'd be too critical because I was supervised by uh, someone uh, who had been uh, key in questioning uh, some of the work of um the equivalent institution for climate change, the IPCC. Uh, and for me, that opened a question which uh, is still relevant today for me, which is how can you be both uh, critical and constructive? Mm -hmm. You know, not look. Um, and that's something which I was trying to figure out during uh, during the PhD. Um, and at that point, I wasn't I wasn't sure how to do that. Um, but to as I as I kept uh, during research, uh, especially post PhD, I became more and more interested in the so what you know. So you're doing interesting research. You derive those kind of insights. What do you do with them? Um, and during postdoc time, I experienced with communicating research uh, in different formats. So, for example, writing policy brief uh, for um, different uh, practitioner, uh, writing a report for the European Commission, like contributing with different kind of um, yeah writing outputs uh, and that was interesting uh, but really now when I think about it uh, for me uh, the most important when you want to actually like support uh, particular um, organizations of people uh, is really to work with this organization from the beginning so it's not just that uh, you know communicating research but actually like embedding them in the research design from the beginning uh, so give you an, ex an example, like very recently I did some work on um, nature-based solution and what this concept mean and whether this concept is used for greenwashing or not. Uh, and one um, very uh, uh, first thing that uh, I did in this project was uh, starting a conversation with an NGO called Global uh, Witness. Um, and there's a one who helped shape the research question in the project as well. So from the beginning, they were like associated with the conversation. I was also talking with a colleague in uh, Digital Humanities, uh, and we designed the project together. Uh, and very recently, Global Witness has uh, published uh, uh, an article uh, about uh, about this work uh, and explaining how it had uh, informed uh, their um, yeah their work on greenwashing. Um, so for me, that's something which was extremely interesting and uh, really like, you know, when we think about uh, how to work with, um, I guess, practitioners, uh, I really think it has to start well before uh, communication, but actually by uh, embedding their concerns into the into the research. Um, so that's yeah, that's how I <laughs> that's kind of I, I, yeah, that's how I, I that's where I got to, I guess. Um, I think there are things as well which are perhaps important to say, which is like uh, I think as researchers, uh, we have real choices choices to make uh, regarding mm -hmm. who we support with our research, you know, so the kind of knowledge we produce. Uh, 
never neutral, you know, whether we decide to, 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 I don't know, design a global model or to do like a humanity study, like very, very different kind of like out, yeah, uh, forms of knowledge. Uh, and who do you want to produce the knowledge with and for? So who do we empower with this knowledge? Uh, I think these are two very important choices um, to make when we want our research to have, uh, yeah, when thinking about impact of research, uh, I guess. That's really cool. Oh, thank you. That was a great answer. So basically, you need to have these well-defined first, these key objectives, uh, who you want to work with, what do you want the findings to to do, to reach, you know, uh, very interesting. Thank you. And um, as an educator, what do you see your role is in developing capacity for a sustainable future? Well, that's a great question as well. Um, I think there's a, a lot, uh, a lot uh, of different ways. Um, um, I guess for me, um, okay, at one level, it's about like helping students to develop critical and intellectual skills, and the other is like uh, pr practical skills and navigating the professional world. So these are two kind of, I guess. Um, you know, conventional uh, type of things that uh, we can do as educator. Uh, but to be a bit more specific about the question and the sustainable future aspect, um, I think there are a lot uh, of big claims which are made uh, very often uh, when it comes to environmental action. So, you know, if we look at um, protests or if we look at, uh, for example, at the moment in the field of uh, biodiversity conservation, the big claim is that we need protect 30% of protected area by 2030. Um, you also have some claims in conservation saying that the problem is one of overpopulation. Uh, to me, those claims are extremely problematic uh, for different reasons. Um, and I want uh, uh, my students, uh, when faced with those big statements, to be critically, uh, to be equipped to critically analyze those claims, you know, to be aware of the controversy and the debate surrounding them. And I want them in particular to think about the social political implications associated with different solutions, you know. So, for example, if mm -hmm. you create a protected area in a particular place, who is empowered, who is empowered, you know, who benefit from this, basically. Um, and for me, the how we develop sustainable futures is very important. Whose use are included? How? Uh, I guess there is a democratic element. There is also a social and environmental justice element, uh, both of which are sometimes uh, forgotten. And, you know, in my teaching, I, I really try to convey this, this complexity and to expose students uh, to different perspectives, to prompt them to see things from different uh, disciplines, uh, move beyond silos uh, and also from different positions and role. So sometimes in seminars we do like uh, yeah role plays and these kind of things. Um, so I do I see my role as prompting. I, I want them to inspire to do something for a sustainable planet, and I want them to do it in a way which is you know sensitive and quite reflexive, um, because those are uh, yeah very very complex. Uh, many of these topics are extremely. Uh, complex and uh, I think some 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 discourses can be quite reductionist so that's you know uh, I try to 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 design my teaching to reflect this complexity basically and, uh, yeah that's really cool and, and 
necessary <laughs> and I bet your lessons are very um, inspirational as well. Um, another big question for you. Universities are the bastions of knowledge and innovation that are urgently needed to support a changing world. What do you see the role of universities and academia is in producing the, the positive changes that we need to see during the next few years? Yeah, it's a big question indeed. Um, a very important one. I think, um, yeah, I think universities have uh, several roles to play, but in particular, a big role to play uh, in promoting uh, research agendas and forms of knowledge which uh, can help drive social justice, uh, as well as prompt powerful actors to take responsibilities uh, and be accountable for the action. Uh, what I mean here uh, is that, uh, you know, the research which is produced is not neutral, it's not objective, uh, it's whether, whether we want it or not, the kind of knowledge that we produce, it reflects particular value, like we decide to invest in particular fields, in particular research questions, and um, I think sometimes there is a tendency to, to, I don't know, to produce objective knowledge or diagnostic knowledge, you know, mm -hmm. but actually like, um, it's it's a construction. I don't think knowledge can ever be like that neutral. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think it's universities have to be very clear about the values that they want to to promote and encourage and align their research agendas values. Um, so yeah, so that that means like uh, yeah, that you know when when you see particular department in other universities being removed. The, the direct, you know, translation of some priorities being like, or some fields being like deprioritized, uh, with sometimes you, yeah, depending on those fields, with uh, very harmful consequences. Um, so I think there needs to be like, um, yeah, um, there is a big work to be done on uh, research agendas. Um, I think they also have a key role to play in terms of, of course, you know, sharing knowledge, making knowledge accessible to different audiences. Um, and building partnership with universities uh, in different places uh, as well, you know, building capacities with other like higher education institutes. Uh, I think that's um, that's uh, yeah, that's something which I think uh, Kings does, and I think there is scope to do it like even even more. Uh, I can come back to this, but that's I think there is uh, also something to be done in terms of uh, facilitating access of. Uh, you know, people and scholars from uh, low-income countries, for example, mm -hmm. um, in order to diversify academia. Um, and this actually and on... leads, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> this actually no, no, leads no, no, to my last question, uh, which is uh, about diversity. Uh, and you were just uh, preempting my last question. So, <laughs> In the beginning, the, <laughs> in the beginning of the podcast, uh, you were looking uh, to address some questions, and one of them was, "Who can speak for nature?" And we all know that often not all voices are represented in the big talks, the big and small talks, in fact, all over the world, and. Um, 
And even in academia, we know that research is not as diverse as it should be, particularly in terms of gender, race, ethnicity, and people of poor backgrounds uh, occupying senior positions. So what changes would you like to see that would support the next generation of researchers in your field? Yeah, that's uh, yeah, indeed, that follows up very nicely from previous question. Uh, I think there are a range of things to to be done, you know, uh, at a very basic level. I think it's uh, about uh, hiring practices and uh, making sure that, uh, you know, um, different uh, people from different um, backgrounds, uh, not geographical, but also indeed socioeconomic, uh, gender, LGBT, are actually like um, can be recruited. Um, I think there is a scope for much more uh, PhD studentships uh, for candidates from uh, low-income countries. Uh, so I know that for some awards, uh, you, you have hundreds of applicants for a single studentship, uh, which makes those schemes overly competitive. Um, and my worry here is like, if you don't fund uh, PhDs, you end up facilitating uh, or only like making it possible for those who already have the means to do one without uh, studentship. Um, so I think that's something which is really, really, really important, uh, facilitating access to academia with more PhD studentship for particular uh, yeah, countries or institutions. Um, and then uh, thinking about progressing in academia, I think there is also something which is about like uh, promotion pathways and uh, rethinking how promotion work. Um, so that uh, those, um, yeah, the so promotion criteria, for example, reflect um, different ways of doing career in academia. You know, for example, if you have kids, caring responsibilities, uh, if you've been sick, etc., uh, etc., et um, you know, you, you you can still progress. And uh, also, it doesn't mean that you're not contributing to academia. You know, it's not because you're not traveling all over the world to disseminate your knowledge or whatever that you're not contributing. Uh, I do think that there are like quite different ways to, to be a good academic. And uh, I wish, I think uh, it could be further, this diversity could be more reflected uh, in, uh, yeah, in promotion gui guidelines uh, as well, you know, like for now we have like a much more like men than, that make it to professorship than women uh, that's obvious to say and that's and so the rate is uh, even lower if we take into consideration uh yeah ethnicity uh, so i think there is something very important to be done there um yeah i think um i think this would be like my my key uh priorities i'm sure there are much more ideas to develop as well but uh, yeah <laughs> i'm sure if only we had more time <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much dr Mordebori and uh, for sharing your experiences and thoughts um, it was really great chatting to you and to learn a little bit more about you and about your work and this amazing complex field that you research um, i'm in 
I'm absolutely in love with it now. I'll probably be pestering you during the next few uh, weeks or so <laughs> to, to hear Thanks. more about your work and to get some suggestions. So thank you everyone who uh, is listening to this. So please join us next time on Careers in Your Ears when we will be continuing our exploration of researcher careers. To hear more about the King's Careers Consultants for Researchers, give them a follow on Twitter at, at KCL do one thing. That's KCLDO number one thing. And to hear more about Dr. Maud Bohi's work, you can follow her on Twitter as well at Maud underline bo and if you are interested in seabirds as i do and would like to explore soundscapes and understand sounds how soundscapes can support biodiversity conservation you can also give me a follow on twitter at at alini a-l-i-n-e underline marine so thank you and see you next time thanks a lot Aline. Thank you.